If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. It's midway through the Old Testament. This morning, we start a new series called Wizlit 101 or Wisdom Literature uh, 101. And we, I'm excited about this series. Um, we're going to school. We're going to the school of wisdom. We're going into the classroom of wisdom. School has started. The fall is almost upon us. The fall is on upon us, just not the weather of the fall is upon us. And I'm excited for this series. Um, and today is like the first day of school. I don't know if you remember, I think from, from seventh grade on uh, through university, uh, the first day of class kind of seems to go the same, right? You go in there with, these, with all the other students and you get the syllabus and then the teacher kind of walks through the syllabus and says, now let's talk about and work through the learning that you're about to go through this next semester. This is how it's gonna go. And so this morning, that's my task. My task is to be, if you like, to outline the learning of these next nine or 10 weeks that we will be going through this morning. And essentially, I want to answer one question. I wanna answer one question, and the question is this, why wisdom? Why wisdom? Why would we take time? Why would we look at a book of, of Proverbs? Why would we spend time going through this over these next several weeks? That's the task that is before us this morning. If you have your Bibles open, uh, Proverbs chapter one, we'll be looking at the first seven verses. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. We'd encourage you to turn there. You can find this on, read on page 510, or you can go to your Grove Church app, click Bible and find Proverbs chapter one. We'd love for you to join us. Let me read and then we'll talk about these verses together. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables the saying of riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's just pray together. Father, it would be foolish of us to think that we can come to your word and receive wisdom without first coming and asking you for your help. And so we come and ask that you by your spirit will open our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might be those who pursue wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why wisdom? In one sense, it's a really simple question. Because you don't want to be dumb. You don't want to be a fool. Right? I mean, we don't, in, in, in life, we don't want people to think that we're dumb. We don't want people to think that we're foolish. We want people to think maybe that we're wise, maybe that we're smart. But we certainly want to have a life that is well lived. And that's why wisdom because we want to live lives that are lives that are well-lived, and so we pursue wisdom. And specifically, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35, what's the, the end, end, end result, if you like, of wisdom is ultimately life. What it says is, for those who find me, meaning me being wisdom, for those who find wisdom, find life and receive favor from the Lord. And so we're here this morning because we are those who want to live life well, 
we want to find life. If we find wisdom, we find life and we find favor from the Lord. That's why we come. We come now that we might be able to find wisdom. The interesting thing is that most of the things that we do, we make decisions all the time, all the time. You've already been, you've already been making decisions. We, and most of the decisions that we make are not black and white decisions. They require judgment. They require discernment. They require processing or thinking. And indeed, they require wisdom. And even as Christians, those who come and have devoted their lives to God and have find their faith in Christ, and we, we come into some of the, and so many of the decisions that we make, it's hard for us to be able to apply the Bible to the reality of our daily routine and of our lives. I mean, we're thankful for the Ten Commandments. We're glad that it says do not kill. But for most of us, that's not been an issue last night. Most of us were out on the edge of taking someone's life and said, oh, but the Bible says don't kill. I guess I won't. That's not, I mean, we're glad for it. It's important. It's necessary. It's there for a reason. We need wisdom to help us live our life. We need, as Christian people saying, we need God's wisdom, wisdom from above. But where can we get this wisdom to live life well? Welcome to WizLit 101, Foundations in Biblical Wisdom. Here is the, if you like, the theme of our time, that we, of our series. The theme of our time is this, and it's very simple. I think it's very simple, but very hard to, but, but hard. Is this, God loves you, or God made you, God loves you. God wants to guide you, because God wants you to be wise. God made all things, including you. He knows how you are made. He loves you. Ultimately, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf, that you might have a relationship with God. We have God who is our maker. We have a God who loves us and wants our good, and he wants to guide you. He has given us his word. He has given us wisdom in the Proverbs that we might be able to learn God's way of wisdom. This is how God made things. This is how God made you. God has your good as his intent. He wants to guide you into that good. So you can be wise, so that you can live life to the full, so that you can honor him. And so this is where we find ourselves this morning. Now, we find ourselves looking at, at Proverbs, which is wisdom literature. It's not the only book of wisdom or, or this, of this genre in, in the Bible. Job, uh, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, some suggest the Song of Solomon also is wisdom liter literature. Others will suggest that James is the New Testament version of wisdom lit literature, which I find interesting. But we will come to the Proverbs. Now, a proverb, some of you are aware, you've read Proverbs many times. Proverbs, Proverbs is, um, especially the back half of Proverbs, it's a little bit like reading fortune cookies. You know, you, you, read, you, you open up a fortune cookie, you read it, and then you get another one, and you kind of read it, and you kind of go, how do these things, it's kind of like Proverbs. Proverbs in English are short, pithy statements, uh, like, look before you leap, that kind of are common sense sort of statements. And in one sense, so are the Proverbs of the Bible, but they go far deeper. They go far deeper. They offer us more than just what's common sense. They, a proverb in the Bible is actually um, tied to 
the, the Hebrew noun for proverb is actually related to a verb which actually means to represent or to be like. So a proverb not just, is not just a pithy statement, but a proverb actually gives us something. It's actually a model of the reality of life. It's a little tiny model. It's a, it's, it's a representation of the reality of life so that we can hold up a proverb and we can think on it and we can reflect on it and we can turn it around from multiple angles and it will give you insight into the reality of your life because God made you, because God loves you, and because God's going to guide you. And so he's given us these statements that are easy to hold on to, that we can look at, that we can think on, that we can reflect on, and will yield the wisdom that comes from heaven. This is the proverb. The world says, the way that you get wisdom is to live. You live and learn. We may have even said that. Well, you live and learn. And, and to a degree, that's certainly true. But that's not the intent of the book of Proverbs. The intent of the book of Proverbs says, let's learn. And from that learning, now let's live. There's a, there's a country artist, I, um, Frankie Ballard. He had, a, had a, he had a song a couple years back called Wild and Cra- or Young and Crazy. And let me just read the lyrics to you because I know you're wanting to hear them. One day, I'll slow way down, spend my weekends on a swing in the wraparound. Oh, but these days I'm on a mission to get these wild oats out of my system. Yeah, I might stay out all night. I got to do a little wrong so I know what's right. I want to sit out on the porch telling stories about my glory days when I'm pushing 80. How am I ever going to be old and wise if I ain't ever young and crazy? But there's a logic there, isn't it? I got to do it now. How am I going to? I want to be old and I want to be wise. But how else am I going to do that if I'm not young and crazy? That's the way of the world. That's the way of the thinking of our culture. That's the water in which we swim. But the Proverbs say, no, let's take time and let's learn. And out of our learning before the sages, let us live. And you will have wisdom. Let us learn. You can explore real life situations within the virtual reality of a proverb. You can know in advance what is actually going to be wise and what is going to crash. Biblical wisdom tells us what reality is like because God made you, because God loves you, because God wants to guide you, because he wants you to be wise. There are two kinds of wisdom that are represented in the Proverbs, and very briefly, we'll touch on this. And if you were to go to chapter 9 in the book of Proverbs, which you can do uh, this afternoon if you like, then what you'll find there is there's actually to the whole first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is actually Solomon, King Solomon, building his case for why you should want wisdom, which ultimately results in a choice that we have to make. We're introduced to two ladies. One is Lady Folly. And this is what, this is what Proverbs 9 says about Lady Folly. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on the seat of the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Lady Folly is calling out. Foolishness is calling out. 
Foolishness is appealing. F lady folly is enticing. And what they said is she's prepared a dinner. She's prepared herself. She's prepared her home. And she's calling out to you. She's calling you to come and take company with her. She's calling out to you to come and have dinner with her and to eat with her and to be with her, to join her in her house. Little do her guests know that those who come in find themselves in the realm of the dead. This is one on one side of the street of our lives. On the other side is Lady Wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She also has set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple way and you will live and walk in the way of insight. She too is calling to us. She too is calling out. She has made a dinner. She has prepared her home. And she too is calling out to us that we might be able to come with her and find comfort. And if we go and dine with her, if we go into her company, we will find life. If we go into her company, we will find insight. If we pursue the wisdom of God. They're both calling out to us. They're both desiring our company. And this is the picture of your life every single day. Because our lives are so fast, because our lives are so furious, because you're getting notifications while you sit here of all the stuff that you have to do, of all the things that are vying for your attention, and you are making judgment calls every single moment of every single day. And life comes at you fast. That's the life, that's the world in which we live in, and we need wisdom on money. We need wisdom on relationships. We need wisdom on parenting. We need wisdom on sex. We need wisdom on friendships. We need wisdom about how to deal with the brokenness of our world that we see with the hurricanes. We need wisdom to know how to deal with injustices that we see every day. We need wisdom, but we have a choice. When we're, when we're going so fast and so both are calling, sometimes it's hard for us to discern which is the wisdom of God and which is lady folly. Well, if we were to choose the way of God's wisdom, what would that look like? What is the point of going? You say, well, is it really so bad that I were to, okay, yeah, I understand it says death, but really, what, what would be, the, if I go, why should I choose the wisdom? What is the fruit of wisdom or the goal of wisdom? What's the goal of Proverbs? I think we're helped by the, by the passage that's in front of us. In verse 2, we have two, if you like, two goals of the book of Proverbs. Verse 2, for gaining wisdom and instruction and for understanding words of insight. I think the first goal is represented in the first line there of Proverbs, for gaining wisdom and instruction. The goal, the first goal of Proverbs is that we would have be people of deep character, that we would be those who know wisdom, to know wisdom. Ray Ortland in his great commentary on Proverbs says, this is his definition of wisdom. Can I see his definition of wisdom? There it is. Wisdom is skill, expertise, Competence that understands how life really works and how to achieve success and even beautiful results. Wisdom is the skill to understand 
to have the skill, expertise, competence that understands how life really works and has the ability to achieve, to achieve successful and even beautiful results. This is wisdom. And again, wisdom that comes from the Lord. We are those, because why? Because God knows how things work, because God made them. God knows you and wants what's best for you. And so therefore, God will give you the ability to understand how life really works. He's giving us that wisdom in his word so that we can live a beautiful life. This is wisdom. He says, I want you to have deep character that understands these things. Wisdom knows better. Wisdom, wisdom if you like, knows better than just to walk out on the football field and just hope that somehow you can win a victory. But it knows that there needs to be a game plan, that there needs to, you need to be able to work within the time constraints, within the rules, within the psychology and strategy and timing necessary in order to put together a plan that wins a game. Wisdom knows better than just to go into the kitchen and throw a bunch of stuff into a pan and hope that somehow you get a cake. But knows that you need to have a recipe, that you need to have the exact ingredients with the exact measurements, with the exact timing in order to bake a delicious cake, which is why I can't bake a cake. I don't have that kind of wisdom. Even from a box, can't do it. If you say, well, if this is what, if this is what God gets, he wants us to have deep character he wants us to have this wisdom, to know this wisdom. Why isn't everybody trying to go after this? Because doesn't it seem to, it almost seems like, isn't this just a logical thing to do, to go after God's wisdom? Why is that? I think it's in this back half of the same sentence. For gaining wisdom and instruction. Because, I hate to break it to you, but no one is born wise. We were born foolish. We are born simple. We're born with a lot of silly ideas in our head. And in order to gain wisdom, especially the wisdom that comes from heaven, there needs to be instruction that comes from God for our lives. Isn't it? So that we, we were born simple. And I, quite frankly, I don't even like to hear that. I don't like to say that because it doesn't feel nice. What I want to hear is, hey, you're smart. You're amazing. And so that we tell all our kindergartners, you're going to be amazing. You're so smart. You're so fantastic. Really? You're not that wise. You're not that smart. You're not that intelligent. We need wisdom that comes from God. And that is humbling and it's painful because I don't like to be wrong. And I don't like to admit that I'm wrong because... It's more fun to be right. Right? Or am I wrong? <laughs> but you understand. So those who are building deep character, the goal that we would be those of deep character, again, Ray Ortland says, we are foolish people pursuing wisdom by humbling ourselves under the Lord's correction. The reason people aren't just running after the Lord's wisdom is because they don't want to humble themselves under the Lord's instruction and correction. Because it's hard, because it's painful, because it's challenging and difficult. One of the goals of the wisdom of the Lord is that we would have deep character who humble ourselves under the Lord's instruction and that we would therefore have straight thinking. That we would be those who have straight thinking. To understand, if you like, Un, and to understand words of insight. 
insight is the idea that is something that is non-obvious to others becomes obvious to us. That's insight. It's not, it's not obvious to everyone else, but all of a sudden you have eyes to be able to see. You're able to give insight. That's what it is. The immature not, might not see what you see, and this is what parents are to give to their children in their homes, that they are to be able to help their children who can't see the mistake that is right in front of them, that the parents are instructed to give them wisdom and to give them insight in order that they might be able to not make silly mistakes. If you don't do your homework, you will not. I know you want to go outside, but you have to. You understand. Because we've been children, and some of us have been parents. It's insight, it's straight thinking, it's discernment, so that we, verse 6, can understand proverbs and parables and the sayings of the riddles of the wise. What we're being invited into, friends, is this. It's this, that we are able to come to the book of Proverbs. This is what, this is what God wants for us, that we are able to come around. If you like, um, imagine a campfire. Imagine that there's a campfire and that there's a circle of people sitting around the campfire, and these are people that are just Yoda smart people. They're the wisdom, they're the sages of all time, and you and I get to walk up to the campfire and just sit on the outside ring of the circle. And as the campfire, as the fire burns, and as the, as the embers pop, and, I, and they're talking about things. They're talking about life. They're talking about things that we at first don't understand that are perplexing to us, but the longer we sit, and the longer we're with them, and the longer we listen, we listen all of a sudden, our longings for entertainment that never really panned out for us, that we kept running after, that never really worked out for us to begin with, start to fade away and we actually start to understand the wisdom of the sages, the wisdom of these people. And that's what coming to the Proverbs is about. It's about coming and saying, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to put my life under the microscope of the wisdom of these sages, of these people of wisdom that desperately went before God. And I'm going to put my life into that. And that is the opportunity that we have before us. So how can we get this wisdom? Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is the fear of the Lord? It's a weird word. It's a weird way to say it. It's all throughout the Bible. It's, we have a tendency to, when we think fear of the Lord, we, get a, we think of being afraid, we think of like cowering. It, it's, not, it's not cringing in dread before the Lord. It's not this sort of guilty like, oh no, here comes God and I'm in for it now. Not that. It's not like getting called into the principal's office, right? That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is openness to him, eagerness to please him, humility to be instructed by him. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a willingness to turn from evil and to change its repentance. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to surrender to his will, not my will, but thine be done. It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is one of the ways in which we show our love for him is to follow him and humble ourselves before him. The fear of the Lord is when we realize that I am not the measure, my desires, my, my I'm not the measure of all things but rather I'm putting myself under the measuring scope of God. That's the fear of the Lord. It's allowing him to be God and me not, to take myself off the throne of my life. This is what it means. And that, of course, is what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? I mean, we came before the, the table 
humbling ourselves before him, saying we could never come to you, recognizing ourselves to be sinful. But only because of Christ and what he has done for us, his sacrifice in our place, it takes us to come and humble ourselves before Christ, before him. That's what it means to, to be a Christian. But Jesus Christ isn't just our sacrifice in our place, although he is that. But Jesus Christ is the best counselor for all people in all seasons of life. You see, the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would be, the anoint, would, would be anointed with the spirit of wisdom and understanding so that he would not judge by what he sees and decide disputes by what he hears. In other words, the Messiah who was to come would not be fooled by appearances or swayed by hearsay, but the Messiah who is Christ who was to come would never have the wool pulled over his eyes. The Bible says that Jesus has eyes like flames of fire in Revelation, which means he can see through everything. God has given us a super smart, wise expert, and, it, and he is God's best gift of amazing grace to us, and his name is Jesus. The gospel says that Jesus is wisdom that has come from God. That's why Jesus is always surprising us, isn't it? That's why when he taught in his hometown synagogue, then people said, isn't this, isn't this Joseph's son? Where did this wisdom come from? Where did he get this? That Solomon had been the wisest man in all of history. Solomon, the one who authored most of these Proverbs. But when the Pharisees tested Jesus and reminded them that, with, that the queen of Sheba had traveled all this way in order that she might be able to sit before Solomon, and when she saw the wisdom of Solomon, she was marveled and amazed at Solomon's wisdom. And Jesus says this to the Pharisees, Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Someone more wise, someone greater. A greater Solomon has arrived. A wiser one has arrived one who never has the wool pulled over his eyes. And you don't have to travel a distance because I've traveled a distance to come to you. Wisdom incarnate is standing right in front of you. But the tragedy of it all is that the religious leaders of the day were too wise or too foolish and too arrogant to humble themselves before the wisest man that had ever walked the face of the earth. Let's not patronize Jesus Christ as a nice man who gives us warm religious fuzzies and sends us out to go out to the Barnes and Noble or to Amazon and be able to find the wisdom of the sages somehow on those bookshelves. Jesus Christ is the shrewdest man who's ever lived. No one ever outthought him. No one ever surprised him or cornered him in a debate. And he was always ahead of everyone, his friends and enemies alike. He was the wisest man ever and he made you and he is for you and he loves you and he's saying I want to guide you into a life of wisdom because I want you to be wise so you have a choice will you humble yourself before Christ again and say now as we go into this classroom will you humble yourself before Christ or Will you resist his instruction? Will you be foolish? Let's pray. Father, we come in these moments wanting to be wise, most of us.
And for those of us who in our hearts are resisting you, you know. And so I pray that you, by your spirit, will cause us to turn and to humble ourselves before you, that we might be able to live lives that are beautiful in obedience to the wisdom that comes only from heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.